I wasn't even entirely sure what the heck was going on the entire time. I could potentially be doing like 40, 60 miles a week in the near future. That's how they were able to traverse the galaxy so quickly. It's breaking the rules is basically what happens. You're making me overwhelm people with the word interesting today. (laughs) I got to stop. People were excited about it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I just want to keep eating what I've been eating. Nothing got back on track for the rest of 2020. I don't know what else to say, though. If it got out, you would regret it. Maybe I'll just shut up. That's the thing about the Real Brian Show. We just we get real. Let's just talk. I believe there's a hero in all of us. You have great powers, only some of which you have yet discovered. I'm a superhero. I'm a real life superhero. The world needs extraordinary. We will make you a superhero. Are you ready to become a hero? Initiating surprise in three. This two is one. The Real Brian Show. It's Friday. Oh, we are back. We're excited. Today is going to be a lot of fun. Did you see Wonder Woman 84 yet? Because we're going to talk about it today. Star Trek Discovery brought forth a very interesting question that we have. We'll explore it. We'd also love to hear your thoughts on it. Captain's got an origin, and it's also time for the word of the year. We need something positive and amazing to live by in 2021, I think. Are you aware, sir, that you are drinking Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? Am I? Why, it's delicious. It tastes like rich-bodied regular coffee. It took 264 hidden camera customers before that reaction was obtained. Watch this unused camera take. Sir, do you realize that you are not drinking regular coffee, but Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals? What? I said, you're drinking Colombian decaf coffee crystals. What? You son of a... Let's rock it! Oh my gosh! Uh, Welcome back to The Real Brian Show. Thank you for joining us. And once again, Happy New Year. It's 2021. So, Captain, are you aware you are not drinking regular coffee, but... Folgers crystals? <laughs> yes, I'm fully aware. You Brian, no good uh, son of a... <laughs> <laughs> what an interesting poll that was. Yeah. You lied to uh, me! Well, that was Chris Farley, <laughs> the, the late, great Chris Farley at that last part. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't even recognize so his funny. voice. That's awesome. <laughs> his face, too. Uh, yeah, that's a little poll I have from Chris Farley's greatest SNL skits. <laughs> from like way back and I, I think that was even made in the 90s because the yeah, it must have been yeah the, the digital you know thing i have is all that four four three ratio it's not even widescreen <laughs> it's awesome wow well dude oh, good times happy new year happy Brian. new year captain thanks it's gonna for, be awesome yes and thanks for joining us and thanks for being here and thank you for listening ah so excited we have a fun show today we're gonna end the week right and and to do that okay i'm sorry but we have to what are you drinking right now uh, let me see if I get this right. Earl Grey, cold. No, wait. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's what I'm drinking. Earl Grey, cold. I think Picard would be disappointed, but uh, yeah. I'm drinking cold, iced Earl Grey tea. It's really good. So yeah, it would be like computer tea, <laughs> Earl Grey, cold. I can't do his voice that well, but yeah, anyway. Make it done. Make it so. Make it so. Number one. So I actually was inspired by your cold Earl Grey and decided that I would drink the Edson blend named for sisters uh, with last names of Edson. I won't go into the story on that one, but it's at our local (laughs) tea shop. You know, the one I always talk about, Happy Luckies. They were on the show way back in the very beginning. I remember that episode. 
Yeah, it's so good. Well, so it's funny. It's called the Edson Blend, and I thought, well, what's in this? And it smelled really good, but it is a um, it's a blend of, you ready for this? Cape Town uh-huh. Earl is what they call it, which is instead of black tea, it's honeybush. Have you ever had honeybush tea? I've never heard of honeybush tea. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. It's related in some way to the rooibos tea, which is not a tea. It's a plant, but mm-hmm. it's a caffeine-free tea-like substance. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. It tastes kind of like tea, you know, but it's it's an African tea, right? The red it's like rooibos. The Splenda. It's like the Splenda of tea, right? Uh, no, it's good. It's really, really good. It actually tastes... It's a tea substitute. <laughs> it's it's kind of like for those who don't want the caffeine and they don't want to mess with the decaf, but it's a natural plant. It's actually really good for you. Rooibos is really good for you. Honeybush is also very good for you. The reason they call it honeybush is because it has a honey flavor and it is okay. almost sweet, which is crazy, but it's... No, there's no Naturally. sugar or anything in it. Yeah, it's Weird. beautiful. So Honeybush, by the way, makes, to go with your cold tea, it makes a glorious iced tea in the summertime. It's really, really oh, good. Okay. It's very refreshing. Cape Town Earl is in it, which is Honeybush, real vanilla, and also bergamot oil, which is typically in a, you know, an Earl Grey, as you know. Okay. The bergamot oil is just the right touch. It's a beautiful, like, round mouthfeel for those of you who know coffee or wine tasting. Beautiful. And then it has rose petals in it, which gives it a little bit of a, a rosy flavor, but not too much. And then corn flour and apple pieces. And so it is so good. Okay. So remember when seven blue seven was on, this might've been two years ago now, but anyway, he came in and he brought a bunch of tea from Murchies in Canada. Yes. I remember that episode too. He brought some Earl gray, various Earl gray teas and they are so good. And one of them was an Earl gray cream, which was my favorite. And it had all the different things in it and stuff. Again, Happy Lucky's, our local tea shop, does what they call a Madam Grey, which is very similar to that Earl Grey cream. It's black tea. So if you don't want the caffeine or if you're you know, wanting to drink this to kind of, because it's kind of a calming flavor. And yeah. so if you're drinking it with black tea, then, you know, you're getting jacked up at the same time. So this is like the <laughs> same really thing. Though? Well, yeah, because black tea can do that. It it, can. Really? Because I, I always heard that drink a lot of coffee, you're going to get jacked up. You're you can get, get the uh, jitters with that. You're going to get jazzed up. Yeah, yeah. But with tea, it's much more subtle. Is well, it, is it not? It's not as jittery, but you, yeah, I mean, the caffeine is there. And if you drink enough yeah. black tea, you'll be, you'll be bouncing off walls and having a good okay. time. Yeah, it's pretty fun. I just thought it was like a different kind of caffeine that wasn't as, it didn't affect, but obviously you'd have to drink like way more black tea versus the same amount of coffee to get as jazzed as you would with coffee, right? Well, so now we need to figure out what the caffeine content is in each because I really don't <laughs> know. I, I know that a traditional cup of coffee is right around 200 milligrams of caffeine. Okay. And then putting in perspective, a shot of espresso is about 75. So when people say, oh my gosh, espresso is going to jack you up. Well, if you have two shots of espresso, that's 150 milligrams. Oh, I take that back. Coffee is two to 300. That's right. So Just one cup. Yeah. One cup of coffee, depending okay. on how big it is, depending on also the roast. If it's lighter, it's more caffeine. If it's darker, it's less. Okay. So a typical I didn't cup know of that, coffee. So that's good. Oh, you didn't know that really? Oh, it's I mean, you probably mentioned it before, but I did not know that. And I always drink very dark coffee. So well, like very dark. So it's kind of funny. The, the people they're like, oh man, I, I love to get jacked up on dark roast. And I'm like, eh, I'm not really <laughs> getting much. I mean, you're getting some, but you're not getting as much. If you want to get jacked up on coffee, you got to go light roast. And that's so interesting and, and, and almost not intuitive for some weird reason, because I yeah. mean, the blacker it is, the stronger I think your average person assumes the caffeine content is. That's really interesting. And it's not necessarily the blacker it is, but it's just the darker. So what it is, is think about this. You know, when you cook with alcohol, uh-huh. it cooks mm-hmm. out the alcohol, right? 
Yeah, the taste is still there, but it's not efficacious as alcohol. Yeah, It's the exact same thing with roasting coffee. The more you roast the bean, the more caffeine you roast out of it. So okay. yeah, the darker the roast, the less caffeine you're getting, which or, I know just like disappointed you, a lot of people. The more you cook a vegetable, the more of the vitamin C evaporates. So yeah, lighter roast is what you want if you want a lot of caffeine. But anyway, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of about two to 300 milligrams of caffeine in a cup of coffee and about 150 and two shots of espresso. Oh, well, this and and I were going down a rabbit hole here, which is very fascinating because, you know, but it's we an love interesting out. I know it's curious, right? <laughs> I, and I'm reading this. And again, this this may be wrong because we know how true the Internet is 100 percent all the time. So a cup of black tea, 16 ounces is right about 100 milligrams. So it's a little okay. less. This is fascinating. Tea leaves contain 3.5 percent caffeine, while coffee beans have 1.1 to 2.2 percent. However, I don't know if this is true or not, but however, the coffee brewing process uses hotter water, which extracts more of the caffeine from the beans, you know, over tea, of course, because you don't want to brew the tea too hot or else you're going to scald the leaves and it's going to result in a nice soap taste, which is gross. Interesting. Wow. You're making me overwhelm people with the word interesting today. (laughs) I got to stop. It's so fascinating to me, though. And by the way, black tea can contain as much as 90 milligrams. So it could be closer to 180 or it could be very similar to coffee, but not quite as much. So there you okay. go. All I know now is that I've been drinking way too much caffeine today because I had a <laughs> cup of coffee in the morning and now I've had like three big glasses of tea so far today. So I need to stop. And this is why the Edson blend that I was telling you about with honey bush rather than black tea is a perfect alternative. You get that very similar flavor to a true Earl Grey with black tea mm-hmm. without the caffeine. Wow. There you go. Dang. Well, good job. Well, thank you. And, and thank it. you for, for inspiring me to drink some tea. All oh, right. <laughs> Captain influence. What do I, I That's right. The, oh, and by the way, this Edson would be amazing ice too, but I'm drinking it hot today. So, you know, you're, you're cold. <laughs> I'm hot. And what, what was that? A Katy Perry song, you're hot and you're cold and you're in and you're out and blah, blah, blah. Katy Perry, and, I, all I know about Katy Perry is that she had fireworks shooting out of her nipples at one point. That's, wow. That's all I remember. Yeah. Wow. She is a very interesting <laughs> person. If you listen to her past, Origin wow, story? She, yeah, her origin story was very different from where she's at today. And wow, you know, you kind of wonder, like, you kind of wonder why people like her, Katy Perry or Miley Cyrus or whatever, kind of go off the deep end. And then everybody's like, "What the heck is what's she doing?" And why? And then you read their origin story and you go, "Hmm, okay, that makes uh, a little more sense now." Well, that plus fame, maybe it's not so surprising. Exactly. I can't. Exactly. I was thinking about this the other day. I cannot even fathom. I would never want to be famous in any respect. Yeah. At least not super famous because most people think about it as all the money that famous people make because they're famous, right? Yeah. I mean, they do something to make a lot of money and that's why they're famous. Even if you're a Kardashian, which is weird. Or a Kardashian. I, <laughs> or a Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> but I just realized I would never want the attention that yeah. famous people get and, and both good and bad. A lot of people don't think about that. Famous people are under a, a lot of scrutiny, and I think mm-hmm. most people would shy away from that or not want to deal with that. So yeah, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. That's true. It's very true. And honestly, they're under a very fickle pedestal Yeah, is what they're on because, yeah. you know, as long as they do everything right or they don't do anything that someone doesn't. I mean, like everybody's going to do so. Like, for example, we're talking about Miley Cyrus, and of course, she's done things that people complain about or mock at all the time, but people still like her. Yeah. If she were to do something, though, that was maybe universally less accepted, she's done for. You know, we got this whole cancel culture that's going on right now. Yeah. And it's like people are. okay. so Ken Jennings, I don't think we talked about this on the show, but, you know, when we were talking about with Alex Trebek, when he passed, who's going to take over Jeopardy? 
And oh yes, yeah. So I know what you're about to talk about. Actually, this week was yep. you know Ken's episodes hosting guest hosting. They're doing a bunch of guest hosting right now, mm-hmm. and they're trying out different people. And everyone's like, "Well, Ken Jennings is the natural successor. He should be the one to do it." Well, someone had to go back <laughs> through Ken's Twitter feed and find dirt on him and then yeah. exploded all From over a the long place. time ago. It was years ago. <laughs> now, granted, what he said was not okay. I mean, yeah, and even I I'm like, wow, said. that was that was that was not good. That was that was very not cool. But yeah, people say things all the time that are just like we're, we're just, you know, shooting the breeze. We're screwing around. We're, we're gabbing with our friends and stuff. Although Twitter Dude, is not Twitter is very social. Much for, yeah. Twitter. Social media. I mean, I mean to be famous before social media, I would not have minded that very much. Yeah. With social, uh, it's, it's, it's just really in the, in the age of social media that I would never, I would never touch fame with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. I just wouldn't. Now, of course, um, everyone's saying, well, what did he say, Brian and Tony? What did he say? And I'm like, I'm not going to repeat it on the show. I, I, it, it's one of those phrases sorry, that I don't want to be, I don't even want it recorded. What I, even if I'm like, I don't remember it being that bad though. I mean, it, 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 it was, was it could have been taken badly, but I don't remember what, the, what I read that he said was that egregious. I mean, I was like, well, I okay. remember reading and going, okay, I get what they're going at, but the reason I don't want to say it is because I don't want someone down the road to cut it out and say, Brian said it, you know, right. cut it out of the show. That's why I'm not going to say it, but go look it up. It's yeah. here's the thing. Is it horrible? Is it absolutely over the top terrible? No, no. but it was inappropriate and it yeah. was potentially hurtful. But again, he was joking, but again, yeah. joking can hurt. So it's one of those things that it's like, should he have said it? You know, okay. We, we joke around on Wednesday nights all the time. There are things said on our game nights that I'm glad never get publicized because oh, absolutely but it's friends <laughs> being stupid, right? There are things yeah, and we're not do. running for president either. No, so no. I mean, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody oh, says, yeah. And, and this is what bothers me. Everybody's quick to judge. So they're like, Oh, oh Ken sure. Jennings. Well, he said this years ago on his Twitter feed. And so, you know, absolutely not. He should never host jeopardy. This guy should be, you know, cancel cultured and everything else. And here's the thing. This is what I have to say to those people. Go look in the mirror. You've done yeah. it too. You know, yes. everybody's done it. Everybody's said things that if, if it got out, you would regret it. So for us to be judging other people, <laughs> we're a bunch of freaking hypocrites. Like that's all yeah. I got to say. So yeah, get over Keep it. People, people say things all the time and you know, it's, it's what it is. But my whole point going back to what you were saying is that's why I don't want to be famous either. In fact, I've thought about being famous. I've had my brush with a level of fame a couple times throughout my life. It was interesting. And it was I'm not going to lie, addicting. It was nice. Yeah. I mean, it felt good. Like you're the center of attention and people love you and yeah. they're clamoring for you. And it's really, really cool. And, but it is a very, very fickle thing. And it is yeah. also very volatile. Hence the whole Ken Jennings thing. You know, all of a sudden he's the top Jeopardy champion. Everybody wants him as the host. Oh, we found a t- one tweet from years ago. Never mind. We hate him now. <laughs> okay. That was fast. And again, that's some people, not everyone who reads that tweet is going to hate Ken Jennings. Just keep that in mind. I know, but a lot of it happens. And, and like I said, with cancel culture yeah. happening more and more frequently, it's right. It's a big pro. So you're right. Like as much as I want the show to continue to grow and reach more people and impact more people. And that's what our goal is. Right. And that's what my right. job is as a host and stuff too. But I agree. I, I would not want Joe Rogan's fame. Right. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't need millions of listeners. I just don't Joe need to be wears there. his fame so well, though. I mean, come <laughs> I on. And if anybody messes with him, he can beat him up. So <laughs> uh, that's funny. I would not want to go and criticize him. I'd probably never talk again. That's a really, really good point about do we really want fame and what comes with it? I think that's a great yeah. question. 
Yeah. That's two impromptu discussions we did not plan on. Isn't that awesome? At all. I love so, that. So, yeah. That's the thing about the Real Brian show. We just, we get real. You've been talking about your treadmill. Yeah. Is well, it, is just it there a, yet? Just a long story short, it'll be here tomorrow. It's coming on a pallet from a freight truck. It's an under-desk treadmill, but they have to ship it on a pallet because the treadmill plus the pallet and, and all the packaging and everything is like 200 pounds. So nice. and the treadmill is like just under a hundred pounds. So that's a lot of packaging and pallets. So I, I, yeah. I had no idea it would be that. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. In fact, I'm going to start walking 20 miles a week again and get rid of wow. this holiday holiday fluff that I have. Yeah. And I am very con- seriously considering getting another stand desk for my gaming computer Ooh. so that I can walk while I game because that's even easier than walking while you, while you work. That's true. It, depending That's on what games true. you play. I mean, if you're playing like a like a Call of Duty or something like that where you're having to aim, have a steady hand and whatnot, probably don't want to walk during that. But if you're playing World of Warcraft or something like that, walk. Yeah, totally. I mean, why not? That would be so awesome. So I could I could potentially be doing like 40, 60 miles a week in, in the near future. So yeah. I'm really excited. That's great. You know, and yeah. I, f- I found the same thing with my under-the-desk bike is that it's easier to to bike while gaming for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Editing and production, I have a hard time doing both. It's just... yeah. Too detailed, but I agree with you. That's cool, man. Sweet. I can't wait. So you're going to lose those pounds you gained? Oh, yeah. And more. Fluff. Yeah. Yeah. Going to get all yeah. jacked. Holiday fluff. See, so, well, you know, your holiday fluff was going from a 10 pack down to an eight pack, but now you're going back no, no. up to the 10 and the 20. You just can't see the 10 pack as oh. well. That's all. Gotcha. It's, so you, you got it's a, hidden a little more. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I've got my 10 pack underneath too. Believe me, I'll be, Absolutely. I'll be keeping you guys updated on that. So. <laughs> Well, like Captain Influence, my goal is also to lose the unnecessary, but I want to get my health back in optimal shape too, you know, and honestly, it was funny. I was doing so well right up to when COVID hit the States. I mean, it was great. I was on a great routine. I had amazing accountability. We were in, you know, the gym was, and it was fun. And then like nothing got back on track for the rest of 2020 for us. Like it never reopened. And even though I was doing Pilates with Mackenzie, which was amazing, it's just like, it still wasn't the same. Right. And so no matter yeah, what I tried, I, I just kind of, I don't know. It was kind of, a we, all, we all get it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, but I thought, okay, I'm sorry, but I got to get back on track. And so my, my goal this year is to, to lose the weight. I mean, and again, it's, it's toning up, it's getting back to that ideal weight again. Mm-hmm. Plus um, I'm doing some tests with the blood work numbers again. So trying some things out, you know, so like, okay, well, how will my blood work numbers do if I completely cut out gluten slash wheat and all that for, well, and even most carbs, again, if you don't need Ugh. the carbs, if you're going and working out, you probably need them. But if you don't, you don't need to eat them kind of thing. You know, cutting that out for the most part, cutting out sugar for the most part, but that includes most fruit, cutting out God. most dairy. It sucks, but I'm like, oh, I really totally. need to get myself back and I need to test some <laughs> things out to find out, okay, what's triggering this and what's triggering that and, you know, little things like that. But I'm kind of more partial to approaching it like a Michael Phelps type of thing. Not nearly as as at that level, obviously, but but I just want to keep eating what I've been eating, which is not like pizzas and Ice processed cream. foods left and right. Yeah. I'm not that bad, but I just want to be able to walk enough to work off more of those calories so that I don't feel not only mentally feel as bad eating like I already do, but also physically don't feel as bad as a result. Yeah. That's kind of the approach I'm going to take. I'm really, really reluctant to cut out carbs, the sugar that I do eat. You know, I eat enough vegetables and whatnot, but mm-hmm. I also do eat a lot of carbs and a lot of sugar. Well, and I'm yeah. not saying cut it out entirely because I, I can't stick with that. So it's it's more of a, yeah. it's going back to that, what I used to do with the the Tim Ferriss diet thing way back in the day. Yeah. I think I started that in 2012 or whatever. And it was very successful. I mean, I lost 
20 pounds. I was down at my ideal weight. My blood work numbers were perfect. It was amazing. I felt great, but I hated my life because I couldn't (laughs) eat anything fun. So I'm trying to find a balanced approach, which goes back to the Abel James approach, which is more, you can still enjoy certain foods, but this was also something I enjoyed about the Tim Ferriss thing is you didn't cut out sugar entirely. You know, you could binge once a week. I don't think once a week's enough for me to really stick with it, but it's me saying that, okay, don't be lazy and eat sugar or dessert every night. You know, like for example, going down to say five days a week with no sugar and then two days a week. Sure. I can have, but don't, don't don't go overboard. That's what I mean. That's realistic too, because then you'll, you'll, you'll start to find if you do that and a lot of exercise, especially exercise diet plans do that approach where you get a free day and eat whatever the heck you want. Yeah. But I think that what they say is that you'll start to find that if you consistently do that for a while Mm -hmm. and, you know, eat more or less healthy for five days, then pig out on the weekend say yeah you're going to start finding your body starts to reject the bad food after all you start feeling bad eating all that crap on yeah. the weekends and then you start craving is, health it's, it's actually true it's, yeah, it works yeah that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to get back to that balance i'm trying to get back to craving healthier foods and not wanting the the sugars as much and you know it's the same kind of thing with dairy and stuff too i was drinking a lot of like i stopped drinking milk years ago mm-hmm. i got back on it because of the heart palpitations because of the oh. calcium and the so like bananas and you know milk bring in calcium, potassium, magnesium, which are the electrolytes you need. And that seemed to be the best combination for making the heart a little bit better. But then I got to ask myself, well, what if I got myself back to my ideal body weight? Would I need those? So that's kind of my test right now to find out, can I drop the milk, drop the bananas, drop the extra sugars and other things like that and see what happens. You know, yeah. so we'll see. Dude, but I'm excited. Electrolytes. It's so what important. plants crave. That's right, man. That's right. And you know, coconut water does a lot of that too. So, by the way, one more aside: this uh, Earl Grey tea has coconut flavored. Oh, nice! Just saying, oh, it's coconut Earl Grey, good. so it's it's quite good. Yeah, that's nice, dude. And I love oh, coconut. Mm. Mm. That's a tasty beverage. I know we are both very very excited for the Real Brian Show this year. We've had lots of discussion, not just between the two of us, but with others as well. A lot of brainstorming, a lot of action taking going on right now. So we are in process. You know, I I mentioned that this was kind of the stuff we said at the beginning of 2020. We had a lot of ideas. We were getting going a lot on that stuff. And, you know, we started to bring back some of those interviews and then COVID hit and things kind of got derailed a little bit. I mean, for all of us. So we just did not maintain that momentum that we started last year. But this year, we don't we don't want any excuses. We just got to keep moving. So we're excited. Really, please consider joining our team. You know, if you're somebody that has a lot of creative ideas, we'd love for you to join a creative team. If you're the, hey, I just want to make it happen. I don't have any ideas, but I'm an implementer. Then join the implementation team. Or if you're like, and I love social media. I love sharing things. Join the social team. Join the Patreon. If all you can do is just, you know, you don't have time, but you got a little extra cash laying around. Hopefully you do. I hope a lot of people do. <laughs> then join the Patreon team, please. Because honestly, we, we are moving forward. No one can do this alone. And I was so funny here. Why we were talking about this last week and we're talking about it this week. One of my clients that I produce for, she said on her show, if what you're doing does not require the help of a team, then your, your dream and your idea is not big enough. Hmm. And yeah, I was just like, enough. Oh my gosh, that's, and that's exactly where we're at right now with the show. But this is exciting. That means we're growing. We're doing more. So please join the team. But if you'd like to go check out Patreon, go to patreoncom slash real Brian show. Very easy. The link is in the show notes. So there you go. Ben Tastic and I, we used to talk about this. We would talk about a word for the year 
It would be like the year of profit or the year of learning. Those were some of the ones we've had in the past. And I think we were working on one for 2020 and I don't remember if it actually ended up becoming official or not with what happened with 2020. I could definitely confidently say that it was the year of resilience for many of us, whether we yeah. actually intended that or not, but Some more than others. Exactly. And Ben Tastic, I was asking him like, what's your, what's your idea for the 2021 word of the year? His word of the year was thriving. And it's funny because I've been talking a lot about fulfillment and living a fulfilled life and what it means to live a fulfilled life. Cause a lot of times people say, well, I want to be happy or I want to be successful or, you know, famous, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, (laughs) like being happy can be fleeting. So like I'm having a happy life and then a bad circumstance hits and all of a sudden you're not happy anymore. Right. Being happy also typically means you're selfishly happy most of the time, let's be honest. So you're not really doing much for anyone else, but you know, you're, you're selfishly happy. You're having a good life again until something happens. Living a fulfilled life though means that you are also happy, which is good, but you're resilient when circumstances hit, you can still find joy and contentment in the midst of pain and suffering, even though it's hard to do. You're satisfied about life. You actually know that your talents and abilities are being fully used, i.e. you're unleashing your superhero. I have found that people that live fulfilled lives typically desire to give and be altruistic with others. They want to somehow impact others and be a blessing. Yeah, Yeah, they want to. Their cup is full and it's overflowing and they want that. And so I was thinking about, you know, how important it is to really strive to live a fulfilled life. And I mean, it's a very hard thing to achieve, but you go after that. And when Ben came up with the idea of the year of thriving, I thought, well, thriving and fulfillment really kind of go hand in hand in many ways. And so I was looking up the definition for thrive and it's to prosper, to be fortunate, successful, to grow or develop vigorously, which I love that, and to flourish. So I feel like in order to live a fulfilled life, you have to thrive. And because we've learned, a lot of us have learned the idea of resilience in 2020, this should be a really awesome year for thriving for all of us. So let's do it. Indeed. Indeed. Let's do it. Yeah, I love it. One of the things we can do too is bury the hatchet with people. If we've had some issues, a lot of people have had issues, you know, some arguments. I don't know. I mean, how many conversations have we had? Who where, doesn't? Yeah, exactly. You know, you got that yeah. person. You're just like, person gets under my skin. Oh, that'd be a good origin too. Under my skin. Yeah. To come to a reconciliation and bury the hatchet with them. Yeah. yeah and I loved that this was your origin for the week. Yeah. Tell us about it. So bury the hatchet. Where does that come from, people? Most of us know that it means to make peace with an enemy or an adversary, to agree to forget any past transgressions and become friendly. Turns out the phrase bury the hatchet comes from a ceremony performed by Native American tribes when previously warring tribes declared peace. Now, specifically, this was a ceremony that was practiced by the Eastern North American tribes, such as the Iroquois nations, the Mohawks, the Senequa, there's a whole bunch of them. That was a common practice with them when they were making peace with an adversary. They would ceremonially take two hatchets, one from each nation, and bury them in the ground as a symbol of their reconciliation. Europeans actually became aware of this ceremony as early as 1644 in Eastern North America, although it is certain that the ceremony of burying the hatchet had been practiced for many years or decades or even centuries mm-hmm. before the arrival of the Europeans. So anyway, that's where that comes from. That is cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. More to come. We mentioned earlier, in fact, I asked the question, have you seen Wonder Woman? Because we're going to talk about that. Wonder Woman 84, that is. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. We've been watching Star Trek Discovery. We didn't get to talk about it last week, so we're going to talk about episodes 11 and 12 
the season finale is aired this week. We'll watch it. We'll talk about it next week. But right. then I have a question and, and I know I posed this back in the very beginning of the episode, you know, in our intro and everything like that. And we may actually ask that question, pose it to you so that you can respond and give us your thoughts so that we can actually discuss it next week. We'll see how that goes. Right. But what did you think of those two episodes, 11 and 12 of Star Trek Discovery? I liked them. The plot started to get a little weird, especially in episode 11. Mm-hmm. And the acting, especially Hugh's character, the medical officer, was a little forced. His lines, the way he delivered them was forced. And so that was, it was just kind of weird. I give it 11, like a 6 out of 10. And I give okay. episode 12, maybe a 8 out of 10, 7 or 8 out of 10, which is good. Yeah. I liked both of them. The thing is, episode 12, the, what happened at the end of episode 12 really makes me look forward to seeing the season finale, mm-hmm. which is what I want. Good. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same spot as you are. There were things I liked about it. It was different. So there were two major storylines, and one of the storylines was the weird thing, and I was kind of like, I don't know about this. The other storyline, <laughs> and by the way, that that storyline was hard to follow. I wasn't even entirely sure what the heck was going on the entire time. The oh, other okay. storyline was actually really fun and fun to watch. There were some really fun interactions between some of the characters. Although, oh my gosh, Michael, again, whispering. What the crap? I, in fact, it was funny. Even in the, you know, last week on or previously on Star Trek Discovery at the beginning of episode 12, every yeah. single line that Michael talks, she's like whispering. <laughs> just not see. It's not just me. But here's one thing I got to say about the episodes. Yeah, The tech is amazing. In fact, I was yeah. talking to Sarah about this and I feel like some of the tech, like the personal transporters, they did a pretty good job with it. But yeah. think about this. We in 1987 through about 1998 or nine all watched. Well, for those of us who watched it, the next generation, deep space nine. Yes. Nine. Yeah. And then of course Voyager and stuff like that. And you're all thinking, Oh my gosh, this technology is so amazing. Who came up with this? Wouldn't it be amazing if we ever had it in our lives? That's never going to happen. We're saying this in 1998 and then 10 years later, the iPhone comes out and we're like, Whoa, actually nine years later. And we're going, Oh my gosh, it's real. What's amazing is we, we imagine these things, people turn them into reality. Some of them, you know, very quickly and some of them, yeah, like we don't have warp drive and that kind of thing. We don't have starships yet and stuff like that. So some of it has not come true, but if you look at them going to the 31st century, I feel like some of the technology should get more imaginative because it should be that much better. Like I could see a lot of the technology happening in the 25th century. But you get to the 31st and you're like, dude, it's got to be even that much better. So yeah. I feel like some of the imagination is limited and some of it is really, really good. Like, for example, the phaser coming out of a wrist strap. And it's yeah, so funny or- because Johnny Pistol Shot came up with that idea way, way back <laughs> when he was a kid and he called it a palm store. And it was the same kind of thing, but it was on your palm and it stored stuff in there just like phasers and all that. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so like that. So that's really cool. The creators of Discovery have done a fantastic job this season specifically in exploring what the 31st century might, you know, how it might be so much better than the other previous centuries in Star Trek. And, you know, like with the personal transporter and with ships that can reshape themselves as they fly through obstacles and stuff. That's the coolest thing. That's one of the coolest parts of season three is, is books ship is morphing and and how it can morph itself. And it's just, it's well done. It's well designed. It's just really cool. What I want to know is, why in season 12 when they're going through, and, and you have an answer for this, by the way, Michael and Book are flying through his, with his ship through, through a warp field, mm-hmm. and 
they're dodging all this debris inside the warp field when they're trying to get back to Discovery. And, and, and I thought that was, I mean, I've never seen Star Trek ships do that before. What was going on? Well, so transwarp conduit is what that is. Borg used transwarp conduits. That's how they were able to traverse the galaxy so quickly. Right. And, you know, the Federation and everyone else was limited to warp, creating a warp field around their ship so they could travel at fast speeds. Transwarp, right? Yeah. Transwarp conduits. I don't know the technology behind it, but you're actually flying through an actual conduit that's propelling you. And like so a wormhole? kind of, I guess. But again, I, I don't know all the science behind it. So that's, that's right, a little right. beyond me. But what I know and understand about it is that it's not a warp field and all that. So things can get trapped in those places. And so I think what they were trying to say is that during the burn and that kind of thing, like they were traveling through transwarp conduits and when the burn happened, they exploded in the transwarp conduits. In the transwarp conduits. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to say. And so there's, did they explain that when maybe I missed somebody said something somewhere in a previous episode. (laughs) I remember that now, but I don't remember exactly what they said and I want to go back and find it, but they did talk about it. And so when they were saying we want to go through a transwarp conduit, they're saying that's suicide because there's a lot of dead ships and a lot of debris in those. And you know, that's why nobody uses them anymore. Okay. That would be a fascinating thing to be able to go look up. I mean, I don't know how, how many people would be interested in that, but I would like to know the answer to that. So one of the things about star Trek that I've always appreciated is they do their best to keep things rooted in reality, rooted in real science, rooted in the possibility that could happen versus let's just totally make it up and you know, go crazy. There are things, however, that I feel like they're taking liberties with, with, with discovery that I don't feel like they did much in the TNG, deep space nine Voyager era, that kind of thing. Yeah. The thing about transwarp conduits is it is rooted in some level of science and it would be fascinating to look it up. One thing I was going to say, we were talking about technology, you know, the, the matter arranger, the matter rearranger thing that they have. It's fascinating because it's using a certain amount of matter which, you know, think of it like your carbon footprint and, you know, like the, the matter turns into a bed and you sleep in it at night and then the matter basically deconstructs the bed and turns into a toilet or then it turns into your dining room table or, or yeah, your desk yeah. or whatever. And so you're only using a certain amount of matter, i.e. carbon footprints, which, oh my gosh, that's totally green, totally economic and totally ecological. So I just wanted to say like, that's kind of a cool idea that they came up with. It solves like resource problems in yeah, many ways. I sure. thought that was really, really cool. So just throwing that one out. Now, one, right. one last thing I want to bring up, and this kind of goes into our question, but we're going to talk about this more next week because I think it would be fascinating to get your thoughts, and that's you listening. I want to know what you think. All right, whether you watch Star Trek Discovery or not, doesn't matter. Okay, so one of the characters in the show, if you're watching it, her name is Tilly. We've talked about Tilly throughout the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Tilly started off as a very... Let's call her almost an awkward, almost bumbling idiot. I don't know how she got into Starfleet. We talked about even her weight, which by the way, nothing against weight. I know they're trying to relate to people who are a little heavier and I get that. I understand that. But in a military type setting, you wouldn't be overweight, especially as an ensign, because you're going to be in training all the time. You just, you can't be overweight and be in that level of training. So to me, that already is an unrealistic creation. Of a character. Yeah, it turns it turns her character into something of an agenda, sort of. So. It does, yeah. And so it's yeah. again nothing like uh, nothing against weight. It's just one of those things where you go that just wouldn't exist because everyone I know that's been in the military is not overweight. And you, to be fair, the Federation Federation's not the military. Let's get that clear. But it's but, based on a military setting. 
you know, organization, organization. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. So organizational no, model. They're not a military uh, in the sense of like they're out to fight, but they all have to know how to fight. They all have to be in shape. They all have to be able to take care of each other. And you know, they're, yeah, they're they go through an academy. Yeah. They go through daily calisthenics, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. So, and I could yeah. understand an admiral who is a desk jockey, you know, later in his or her career. Sure. I could understand them being more overweight, just like, you know, you see in the police force people, they get right. older, they become captains, you know, they, they, I get that. But when you're yeah. an ensign, you're in shape. You have to be, yeah. you can't yeah. succeed otherwise. Right. <laughs> so that was the first thing about her that was just like, this doesn't make any sense. It, it's, um, it's breaking the rules is basically what happens. And then, like I said, she's, she's kind of a bumbling idiot. She's awkward. She sticks her foot in her mouth all the time. She's incredibly unconfident constantly, which also doesn't make a lot of sense for someone in that, in that setting. Right. But, but whatever, it does right? make a lot of sense for a socially awkward person in general. Yes. Yeah. And, and by yeah. the way, I like her as a person. I like her character as a person. I don't have any problem with her except that it doesn't make sense what her role is in the context. Yeah. At all. So she's an ensign and ironically, she's been an ensign now for three years and she's been on the ship for not quite three, three years, but you know, three seasons. So close to three years. And she goes from the bumbling idiot, awkward, sticking her foot in her mouth, totally unconfident to literally we're talking overnight. We're talking within a week here of actual like real time in this show. She's doing verbal judo with a bad guy. She's commanding hundreds uh, or I think they even said thousands of lives on that ship. So between hundreds or thousands of lives of people, she's a first officer. Now she's the second in command of that ship. She is responsible for every life on that ship. And she is the most confident. She does verbal judo. She is in command. She's making the perfect decision at all times. And this was all within about a, a week one episode, they switch a light and suddenly she's a very she's different person. Perfect. I like the new Tilly a lot. Oh, I do too. It's just hard to swallow how quickly they changed her character, how which is, which is where, where our question comes from. Yeah. How realistic is that? So, okay. People say, well, we can just dismiss it. It's, it's, you know, it's fantasy, it's science fiction. But again, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, Star Trek has always been for the most part rooted in some level of reality and some level of science. So when you break those rules and create a character like this, that begs the question that we have to ask in real life. Mm-hmm. First of all, do you believe that it's possible for a person to change at all? Change I'm not gonna, the personality. Yeah. Or well, change period, you know, change behaviors, change their past, you know, basically past decisions, overcome that change personality that fast, go from unconfident bubbling to super confident, you know, do you believe that it's possible for someone to change mm-hmm. at all? Then the second question would be, do you believe it's possible for someone like that to change quickly? Like almost overnight. And so, so drastically. And yeah. we want to discuss that question next week, but um, we wanted to save that because this can go into a really cool discussion. I think Yeah, we have some thoughts. We have our own personal experiences. You've done some research, captain influence, yep. but we also want to hear your thoughts And so anyone listening that goes, well, actually I have some experience with that, or I am a psychologist and I know, you know, the science and the, the, uh, what would be the word? Like the, the psyche behind it. You know, I know how people actually can change. Here's how long it takes or whatever. So please, please, we'd love to hear your thoughts. In fact, we're going to start doing a question of the week and that's our question of the week. Do you actually believe it's realistic for someone to change period? And then second part of that, 
to change so significantly and rapidly in real life. And by the way, you can respond in multiple ways. You can respond to the blog post. Just go to realbrianshow.com slash 263. That's this episode's number. You can go down and comment in the comments below of the of the blog post. You can send us a voice message through SpeakPipe, which is on the website. Or if you're on Voxer or you want to text me or message me, I don't care if you're on Facebook or whatever. You can email me, trb at realbrianshow.com. This is all on the website, by the way. It's in the show notes. You can find all of these links. Connect with me on social. I don't care, but please, I want to hear your thoughts, your answers, your expertise on this, because I think this would be so cool to have a discussion on this next week and include you in it. Yeah, because we will discuss it. It's just a matter of whether we include anyone or not. (laughs) Yeah, and one way or the other, we're going to be right. So we would rather be right with your expertise (laughs) rather than just ours. So we're right either way. (laughs) Oh, right, 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 right. Right. Uh, yeah. Let's talk Wonder Woman. Yeah. Let's talk Wonder Woman. Wonder Let's Woman do, 84. <laughs> this was, if you've not seen it yet, you might want to kind of hold off uh, on, on listening to this and then come back. Feel free to pause, come back if you want after seeing it. But Wonder Woman 84, it is streaming on HBO Max right now, or it's in, you know, select theaters, depending on where you live. This is an interesting movie because people were excited about it, I guess is what I'm trying to yeah. say. People I were, was. they had high expectations. The first Wonder Woman movie was actually good. It was the, I think, the turning point for the DC movies. It's when DC movies actually were like, oh, I think most people really liked Wonder Woman and they all thought we see a turning point. A lot of expectations. I thought thought Aquaman was that turning point. That was my turning point for DC. Which I liked too, by the way. I thought Aquaman was amazing and I thought Shazam was amazing. So yeah. For what it was. (laughs) Oh, but that was intended to be that way. Like it was the perfect thing for what it was intended to be. Sure. So that all being said, Wonder Woman 84... I have read nothing but negative reviews about it. In fact, IMDb, I think, is at 5.0 out of 10. Everyone I've talked to didn't like it. Everyone. I have not heard one positive review from anyone yet. Interesting. I'm surprised. I thought that maybe you would have heard more positive reviews about it. I'm curious. Are you in that camp, Captain? Dude, I thought this was one of the worst superhero movies ever made. Really? I I could swear J.J. Abrams had a hand in this somehow just because there were so many gratuitous plot holes and and half-assery, in my opinion, about how the, how the film was made. Yeah. Even my wife thought it was poorly executed, and she liked the first Wonder Woman okay. Yeah. Remember, if, if, you guys, if you guys recall, I didn't really like the first Wonder Woman. Yeah. I wanted to. I always go into these movies really wanting to watch them. Otherwise, I wouldn't bother. Yeah. But I got to say, Wonder Woman 84 makes... Wonder Woman, the first one, looked like the Titanic. <laughs> I thought it was that bad. I promise I was not actually complaining about it while we watched at all. The whole way through, I did not complain about one thing because I didn't want to influence my wife's opinion of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I only found out afterwards that she also didn't like it very much. Although I disliked it more. But honestly, I would give 84 a 4 out of 10, and that's generous. Mm. But you had a far different experience with this movie, Brian. And I, and I, I'm glad you're going second because it'll put a positive spin on the review. (laughs) Well, you're not alone. Like I said, everyone agreed with you and I would like to call attention to how quickly we forget bad superhero movies. Yeah. Did anybody see Batman v Superman? (laughs) Well, but that was, see to me, that was worse than wonder woman. I mean, and I, I didn't mind that movie that much, but I, I can see why people hated it. Have you seen the reboot of the Fantastic Four that came out four four or so years ago? No, I did not. Okay, that was terrible. That was okay. I heard it was bad. That's up there as one of the worst superhero movies, in my opinion, ever made. It was it was so bad 
And honestly, like that made Wonder Woman 84 look like a masterpiece. Okay. So there are really <laughs> bad movies now. And, and the new mutants that just came out for whatever reason, yeah. that movie drove me crazy. I thought it was the same thing. I wanted to like that movie. And I would the whole movie. I'm like, okay, it's got to get better. I want to like this. I, I really want to yeah. like this. And it was just like, see, that was terrible. Like how, do, how did they get, how did they pass that? in that particular setting, like watching wonder woman 84, I'm like, okay, this is actually pretty good. You know, is it as good as the first one in my opinion? Oh, definitely not. Not even close. I can see where people would be a little upset. It's 2.5 hours. There's a lot of time spent drawing scenes out that did not need to be drawn out. The, the relationship, you know, that was going on between Diana and Steve it's like you'd have this Steve. this pillow talk kind of conversation that went on for 20 minutes or something. And you're just like, oh, oh, my gosh, get over it. Or like when he's trying on all the 80s clothes, that was yeah. hilarious. And it was it, gratuitous. It was just too long. They, they should have done that in a 30 second period. And it would have been really funny, but they did it in like four minutes. And it was just oh, it was oh. too long. The references to the 80s and everything were not half well as done as I've seen in other throwback movies where they go back to the 80s. During the whole montage where she's introducing Steve to the 80s, they had this classical music going on the whole time. Yeah. And I thought, what a lost opportunity to have some sort of good 80s music oh, going totally. on in the background. Oh, what yeah. are they doing? Even my wife commented on that. She's like, yeah. why are they playing this music? And not an 80s song. Yeah, that that's where Marvel <laughs> capitalizes on the past. Like, I think they did a pretty good job with the 90s with Captain Marvel. Yes, I, agree. I don't think it was excellent. But, you know, and it's funny because at first I thought the 80s nostalgia was well done. But the more I thought about it, here's what it reminded me of. One, it was it was gratuitous, as you like to say. But so two is. is, is that it, it felt like whoever was assigned to bring the 80s nostalgia in didn't live in the 80s. Right. Exactly. Like, it's almost like they go, well, this is what I've read about or seen in other movies. So I'm just going to do, they didn't live through the eighties, so they didn't really know how to do it versus yeah. what I consider to be the pinnacle of eighties nostalgia in modern television or film is stranger things. Yes. They are stranger things. Did it masterfully. They're the perfect example right now of how to create that nostalgia in a way that is perfect. And yeah, to me, Wonder Woman wasn't even close to that. And if they had taken a lesson from from Stranger Things, that would have been amazing. And right. they pushed it in your face a little too much in the beginning of the movie, which again became gratuitous. And so it was one of those things where it was funny. I appreciated what they were trying to do, but they missed the mark. So Hans Zimmer did the music again. And the thing that I was really shocked about more than anything was where was the Wonder Woman theme song? Yeah, it never there you go. So think about Pirates of the Caribbean. Think about any Star Wars movie. Each movie has new themes, you know, new soundtracks, which is wonderful. That's what you want. Right. But they always bring in the main theme that you're familiar with. They always tie it in somehow. There's always something there. Even Harry Potter did that. Yeah. You always want to hear that Harry Potter theme, no matter what movie you're watching. I wanted to hear that wonder woman theme and there wasn't in the movie wonder at all woman. wait the 70s theme no no no. the one that that, that uh, hans zimmer did for the original wonder woman and that oh right he, okay he played it in batman v superman he played it in the justice league he played it in the wonder woman it was yeah. like it was there it was in your face it's the wonder woman theme and it was nowhere to be found in this movie and i was like what, what? on earth happened it's why like- would you do that but here's the thing the music was actually good though i enjoyed it i thought hans zimmer still did yeah. a great job but what was the theme <laughs> now interestingly enough though i thought the story was good I thought that in this particular situation, 
I liked the villain because it's like, well, who's the villain? Who's really the villain in this? It was interesting because it got you thinking a little bit. It got a little mm-hmm. deeper into stuff. You got like, for example, Cheetah and Miss Ice was talking about how Cheetah was Wonder Woman's greatest enemy. I thought they did a pretty good job, but they also didn't capitalize on her as much as they could have. Right. But then Max Lord, I thought they did a good job with him, you know, as far as. Yeah. Who was the actor? I recognized him. Well, but he's the Mandalorian. That's the same dude. Yeah. Oh, I, I wondered about that. I was like, they really recognize that guy. And he kind of looks like the dude from Mandalorian and, and Game of Thrones, but I didn't. Yeah think it was him that so one, yeah that was him so okay. pedro pascal is the guy yeah thank you anyway he did max lord and you know he was great i mean the way they did the whole villain and, and the characters was it was more complex than normal you know like hmm. we complained about aries and we complained about steppenwolf and you know you complain about some of the some of the villains in the past where it's just like uh you know cookie cutter Not much depth to them no yeah. depth there was a lot of depth here especially snoke Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, no, no depth at all. There was, in my opinion, quite a bit of depth because you're bringing in the wishing stone and you're talking about people's deepest desires. And, but also it, it comes at a price and there's a sacrifice that happens. And you know, how does that affect everybody? And what does that create? And I, to me, that's a very complex question. And I thought they did a good job addressing that. And I don't know, maybe people missed that. That was brilliant. In my opinion, when it came to exploring people's dark side and where it would go and what it would create and how it would cause this kind of chaos and everything. I thought it was good for, for villains in DC. This was one of the better movies I've seen so far with that. That may be fair. And I, and what I appreciate is your, your take on that villain because you took the, what that villain was and what he was about and spun something positive out of it. Yeah. And I appreciate that because what you just said about him makes me be like, Oh, well, yeah, I guess that's true. I'm glad that you saw what I thought was just kind of a, a a weird and awkward villain situation as a almost an existential question, right? But so. that's the thing. We're so programmed now with really bad two-dimensional villains, and it's been that way. It's been that yeah. way for too long. I mean, you look at a lot of the movies, and we, we complain about, all oh, the villains sucked, and the villain... Well, why? But, because they were poorly written. There was no depth. There was no purpose. Like you said, Snoke. Snoke sucked as a villain, and then they just killed him. And it was like, what? But to be perfectly fair, remember the main villain in the Avengers series at the end. Um, there was a lot of depth with him. Thanos. He had a lot of depth. He was a very complex villain, and he was. most people got that. Uh, well, I don't, because I don't it think took place over a series of movies, too. The first main movie with Thanos in it, I got it right away. We had a good discussion about it on this show, whereas the depth of this villain did not occur to me in the slightest. And, and, well, hold and on, I, but keep in I, mind that Thanos, yeah. that was not his first movie. He was in multiple movies in the end of the credit scenes. There were little things Barely, they were though. bringing him and they were talking about him. There yeah. was a lot of setup throughout multiple movies about Thanos that yeah, but you once didn't you know saw him, you already had background. I mean, really, it's amazing because okay. I went back and I rewatched those right before the, the last Avengers movie. I didn't realize how much they set Thanos up. So that when we watched the first, which by the way, then he had two full movies, you know, the first Avengers movie, you're, you're starting you already get him because they'd already set him up and then they really develop him in that first movie and then they continue to develop him in that second movie. So as in the first and second of the last of the movies. Yeah, exactly. And so the, the problem I think in this situation is they had one movie to do everything. So that's where TV shows come in too. That's fair. I'm not going to say you're wrong. I just still contend, even after all that, that you just said, I still contend that if they really did intend the sort of depth that you saw in that character, I don't think they 
wrote it well enough for it to be as obvious, regardless of the setup, as it was with Thanos. I agree with that. It was not as obvious because, you know, you you ask, well, who is the villain in Wonder Woman? And we don't know. I mean, kind of like what they do with Cobra Kai. The villains in Cobra Kai aren't villains at all. They're just complex. Even even the crease, the the worst guy in Cobra Kai in season three, you're finding out crease was not always a jerk and he yeah. has this past that that formulated him and stuff like that and i that's one of the things i really appreciate about cobra kai is the is the complexity and not it's not black and white at exactly all. see and that's and so to me those are the best villains and that's that's yeah. what i believe that wonder woman 84 was striving to do and you're right it probably wasn't communicated clearly because in that you see well cobra kai is the villain Crease is the villain. Oh, wait, now we're going to show you that maybe they're really not. And here's why they, who they, why they are the way they are. But in this movie, they didn't really show that that, you know, cause you go, well, who's the villain is Max Lord. The villain is cheetah. The, the villain is the wishing Anyone stone. The, the villain. villain is the power behind the wishing stone. The villain or is yeah. our deepest desires. The villain. What's the villain? Well, yeah, I could look at that and say, well, that was very complex. And that was such a cool question. Most people, don't ever look that deep. So they, no. they have no clue. You're right. They totally lost on most people. Thinking back on it now, it makes perfect sense what you're saying about him because he had that his main concern was his son. Yeah. And, you know, and that showed a giant level of empathy and, and lack of narcissistic, you know, tendency or whatever in, in that character. He was definitely not a bad guy. Yeah. But I think that that duality in his character was lost on most people because the rest of the movie was just not that good. And so it people were distracted by the, what, what was wrong with the movie yeah. and not looking at that. I think I that part of, part of it. Same with Barbara yeah. slash Cheetah. I mean, you start to realize, like, why is she becoming the way she is? And they explain that. They talk about that. And then you yeah. start to understand kind of the, again, the pain behind it. I, you're right. Like, to me, the the idea and the story was there. To me, it was good but I would agree that they didn't, they didn't make it clear. I mean, it's the same kind of question that any business, in fact, you and I were just talking about this pre-show. I've been talking about this with various clients. There's always that question. For example, let them say, okay, well, I'm going to watch this TV show. Well, what's it about? What is it? What am I in for? What's in it for me? Those are all subconscious questions that we ask. Then we go and we watch the TV show. And if the TV show delivers, we're hooked. We tell people about it. We keep watching. Everyone was excited about Wonder Woman 84. And we go, oh, well, what's it going to be about? So they told us kind of what we were looking for. And we're all excited. We get in there and it wasn't communicated clearly to us. So we go, okay, what, what just happened? Who's the villain? Why are we supposed to care about this person? Even though it was there, it wasn't clear to us. And so yeah. that's a breakdown in communication. That's a breakdown in clarity and branding and right. all those things behind the scenes. I think that's why I liked it is because I saw it. I recognized it. I liked it. But I can 100% agree with you that it was not delivered correctly at all. You remember when I talked about Triple X, the return of Xander Cage? Yeah. The first one was intended to be very Matrix-like, very serious, and you know it was good, but it had some cheese moments to it. The second one was just pure bad, and then the third one was like, okay, we know we're cheesy. We we're gonna be cheesy. We're gonna market it, and we're gonna make fun of ourselves. And it was awesome. Yeah, like the first Wonder Woman was really well done. Shazam was meant to be a comedy first and a superhero movie second, and it was right. It was executed correctly. This one, it felt like they were trying to do a two and a half hour drama, like an epic drama that would win an Academy Award. Like that's the feel they were going for. Mm. And 
it just didn't work and it's not supposed to work for a movie like this. So I'm with you. And I think that's why there's so many mixed reviews on it, but okay. it's worth well, watching. I mean, there you go. Go, go <laughs> figure out if you want to watch it or not. And, and you know, you may love it and you may hate it. I don't know. Yep. See what happens. That's, that's always how it ends up, right? Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Once again, our question of the week goes back to our discussion of Star Trek Discovery with Tilly and her character changing so significantly. Do you believe it is realistic for people to change, period? And do you believe it is also and more especially realistic for people to change so quickly and so massively? I'd love your thoughts. If you Again, if you have expertise in this, give us your expertise. If you have experience, give us those. Or if you just have like your, hey, I don't know. Here's my thought. Love to hear it. Yeah. And you do not have to have watched any episodes of Star Trek Discovery to answer this question. This Correct. is a general question. Yeah. Yeah. People in general, let us know. But all right, we'll be back next week and we're going to, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the season finale of Star Trek Discovery. We'll come up with some other, of course, fun things. And we've got a bunch of guests who are wanting to join us as well. So it should be fun. But thanks for joining us today, dear boys and girls. Deep thoughts with Captain Influence. I wonder why peanut butter cookies always give me pimples. Do you think if I pigged out on peanut butter cookies for a straight month that I might get a slot on Dr. Pimple Popper? Assuming I could even fit through her door. You know what the music means. Uh, It's time to go. Already? I know. I know. We'll get get to your weekend. Have a good time. Thank God it's Friday. We'll see you next Friday. We're going to have fun. Oh, yeah. Come on. Let's kick this week, this year, this month, everything off. Let's make it great. But thank you again for joining us. We always appreciate it. Have a great week. The Real Brian Show is signing off. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.